happy holidays from Let's Talk Pixels. Well, 2021, it's been a time, it's been a struggle. Am I going to say that about pretty much every end of year special? Probably. Anyway, before we dive into the undoubtedly messy quagmire that's going to be 2022, we are speaking to Trey Mosley today, who is another voiceover artist, and we're just going to go talk some pixels with him. Is that okay with you? I think so. Come on, let's go talk some pixels with Trey Mosley. So just a quick disclaimer. So you might notice in the episode I get a bit rambly at times and that's because I mentioned in the episode that I went to get my booster jab and pretty much long story short I went to bed with a fever a little bit. So that's why I talk a bit like a crazy person but yeah again when don't I? And anyway other than that I hope you enjoy the episode. Wow, thank you so much, Trey. It was lovely talking to you today. And since it's the end of year special, let's talk some New Year's resolutions. So what's going to happen next with Let's Talk Pixels? Well, for starters, obviously, I want to get better at uploading. I'm really sorry about this year. It's been absolutely hectic, but hopefully next year I can get better at it. And so I don't bore you, I'm looking to maybe do more than just voiceover artists next year because, you know, I just want to sort of expand, not just make it about voiceover. But spoiler alert, it's probably going to be mostly voiceover artists because I don't have any other friends who do any of the kind of art. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for your support this year and hopefully next year will be even better. And those were some famous last words. Anyway, happy holidays, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Hello, Trey. How's it going? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Got the booster jab today, so my arm is really aching. But oh boy, <laughs> uh, what have you been up to? Anything interesting? Um, only thing interesting today. Uh, I mean, I had a couple of auditions, but I've just been mostly um getting ready for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I had to move the tree from one part of the house to the other part of the oh, house. No. So, um, I mean, it was okay. Just, we just thought, you know what, since we're all going to be out here in the family room and we had it out kind of like in the foyer area. I'm like, well, nobody's going to be out there when you walk through the door because everyone's going to come in the family room. So we moved the tree to the family room. Um, and then I had to uh, now rearrange all the gifts that were already wrapped. We still have not wrapped everything yet. No. So it'll probably be um, tonight or tomorrow night. I'm in the process of uh, still putting together my studio. I mean, I can record, but I just I also want to kind of be like a a sanctuary, if you will. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm not recording, I just want to sit in here and read a book. Um, like uh, there's a shelf behind me that I have to put together and uh, just a whole bunch of stuff. But other than that, everything's been been good. Uh, busy, working, but when I'm not working, I'm still working. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, you've got a lot more Christmas trees to move. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> speaking of Christmas, is there anything special that you're planning? Any like traditions that you do or anything? Mm, well, this is this is our first Christmas in our new home. Yes, yes. So, um, well, we're hoping to to make some traditions. Um, nothing as of yet, but we'll we'll start doing stuff, and then it'll just become um, part of the regular routine. So, 
here's to new traditions. Uh, nothing as of yet, but we're working on it. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. So just starting off, why don't you tell the listeners about yourself? How do you got started and what uh, what sort of work you do? Well, I got into voiceover, oh boy, this is what, 2021? So 2009, 10-ish around there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I started out, <clears throat> and it's funny because growing up, I always wanted to to do this. I just didn't know what it was called. So I would always hear, well, you know, so-and-so was the announcer for this, and oh, so-and-so was the voice of that. So I was just like, hey, I want to be a voice guy, <laughs> you know, because I didn't really understand the the jargon or anything like that, but I would watch cartoons. I was probably that kid that I always waited until the end to look at the credits to see who this person was and who this person was. And um, fast forward to, I was working um, customer service and then I started working at a bank in the mortgage department and to kind of pass the time away because I worked at night shift, I would um, do different voices just to entertain myself and not be bored and fall asleep. I do different voices. Um, you might hear an old man, hey, thank you for calling. How can I help you? You know, <laughs> something like that. Or I may slip into a more bit of a British accent. Hi, hello, thank you for calling. How can I help you? No, <laughs> certainly not. You can't do that here. But I can direct um, your call to someone. And, and you know, just... And it's funny. You think he may call a different time zone. <laughs> Right. And uh, a good friend of mine, um, she was, um, she had just moved from the UK and she kind of looked over her cubicle. It was not you. I was like, oh, did I muck it up? She's like, no, it's actually spot on. Actually, that's, that's, that's pretty good. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got, I got a, once I got approval from her, I was like, okay, I I felt kind of good about that. (laughs) Um, But just, doing different things to kind of pass the time. And then um, I got laid off from the job and I'm like, "Uh, this sucks. But what it did was they gave me a nice severance package and I didn't work for a year. I just lived off the severance and and stocks, but what that afforded me was time. And I would look at uh, different documentaries. There was this brand new handy dandy, app that came out called netflix and um i started renting the back when you could rent the dvd and they drop it off to your house so i'm watching documentaries and stuff and then once it began to stream um that really opened the door for me because now i can look and see okay oh so that guy who was the voice of the frog in that cartoon is also doing wildlife narration and the wheels just started to turn. And um, I went to Guitar Center <laughs> and bought uh, two monitors, which strangely enough, I still have. I have not bought any new monitors yet, um, just because they've been with me for so long. And, and bought a microphone, an AKG 220 Perception, and my laptop and me in the closet. And started from there, had no demo, no website, uh, I found out about voice one, two, three, and I created <laughs> created a demo and put it on there and started to get work that way. But things didn't uh, 
without two PT. You know, it wasn't probably until four or five years after that, you know, once I got a, a decent demo website and, and things like that, and just learning how to market and put myself out there is when I started to generate business. And this was just business on my own. Um, it wasn't until 2016 or 17 that I uh, had representation. So just adding more and more and more layers to it um, brings us, as they say, and here we are. So here we are now. Wow, it's been brilliant. a long, it's been a long journey. Wow, brilliant! So in a way, being laid off was kind of a blessing in disguise. Really, looking back, absolutely. Yeah, I tell people that all the time. If it wasn't for me being laid off, this would have just been something you know I was doing as a as a hobby or just you know for a laugh. But um, not anymore. Oh, brilliant! And you so mentioned about how you sort of went back and researched uh, all the people who uh, whose voices you sort of resonated mm-hmm. with you in a way. Did you have any like sort of role models who you looked up to whilst you were sort of building your way up? I guess you could say that, um, especially when it, it came to uh, to narration. I mean, you, you can't look at a, a a wildlife narration without attaching the name Attenborough to it. Mm. Um, and then if it wasn't him, uh, definitely uh, there's an actor named Keith David. Yes. Yeah. who um i've done a little voice matching for <laughs> they say hey we can, can we we need a, a kind of keith david-esque uh voice and like can you do that and when i get like down into my like down into my lower register i kind of can get him right there it's like <laughs> this is keith david yeah. it's really not him so it's not him don't don't tell him i did that <laughs> but um you know so uh, those were were people that were instrumental as far as from a, a narrator, a storyteller standpoint, um, as far as animation. Oh boy, that's a lot of people. Um, Pat Fraley. Um, I grew up in the eighties. So Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the list goes on and on. And again, that brings me back to watching one cartoon where I'm looking at, Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. And then I'm looking at G.I. Joe and I'm like, wait, he's on here too. And then I'm looking at, you know, there was an episode of the Smurfs. I'm like, wait, he was on there too. And you start to realize that, you know, to become uh, a voice actor in this industry, you know, you have people that you have your one trick ponies who can, you know, one person, I'll just play this guy, every single character. And it works no matter what he does. But then you have uh, some actors that are just so versatile. You know, they can they can be the bad guy in one role. And all of a sudden, they're like this, this happy-go-lucky person. And then they may do a voice that you wouldn't think is in their, their register or in their range. <clears throat> and you're like, wait, that was him too? So <laughs> I took a lot of that. Uh, into my own development you know I started out as a a singer as a kid uh, being in the um, high school choir and stuff like that I went from a (laughs) from a first tenor to a baritone in like a summer so you know I could still get up there on certain notes 
and you know I can stay here where I am now in, in my my baritone register. So when I started doing voiceover, I would play with that, and you know from one instant, you know they hear me and like, wait, well who's the other guy? And I'm like, what other guy? Like, <laughs> yeah, him. Who me? No, that that is me. And they're like. Really? I'm like, yeah. So even the students that I, I coach now, you know, I tell them it's good to have rings because it allows you to open your your toolbox, if you will, and it gives you more tools to have, you know, and, yeah. and the way the business is now, you have to be versatile, especially if you're looking to do video games and animation. If you're doing union stuff, you know, they pay you on a scale up to three characters. So the more characters you can bring out of your head that are different and distinct from the other two, you know, work begets work. So. Yeah. Literally the more the merrier. Yeah. What were your sort of favorite childhood TV shows and sort of films that sort of um, probably would have like been the sort of seeds that sort of got you into voiceover? Oh man. Um, Well, like I said, being a child of the eighties, uh, and then being a teen in the 90s, um, Transformers, G.I. Joe, mm. uh, the 90s version of the X-Men. Um, and, and strangely enough, a lot of characters that I created in my head did not come from animation or games. It actually came from TV shows. So I would look at uh, Knight Rider, you know, the voice of Kate William Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um wasn't Peter Cullen in that too? He was wasn't he Carl? He was the yes, he was Carl. Literally, oh, yeah, Peter Cullen like, was <laughs> he was everywhere. <laughs> he was just the 80s. He was like <laughs> he did he did the voice of Carr. He did promos. Um yeah, Peter Cullen was was it. But so different voices that I would hear on um primetime TV shows as well as cartoons. Um I was very big on on announcer voices and you know, announcer voices that can be anywhere from, you know, tell them what he's won, Bob, or, you know, welcome to an all new episode of blah, blah, blah. It was just something about knowing that that person set the tone for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there used to be this thing that, that came on um, here in the States every Sunday. It was called the magical world of Disney. And, you know, the guy just sounded so cheerful and happy. Like he just had the happiest job in the world, but doing promo and, and in-show narration, I, I know why he sounded that way. And it was like, welcome to the, you know, the magical world of Disney tonight's episode. It, and it just sounded so like, Hey, I want you to come and watch this with me. Come on friends. Let's, let's sit and hang by the tree, you know, and, and just, he it, it just had this thing about him. And then, uh, sports you know kind of had that rough you know the nfl today is brought to you by you know budweiser so they had this real gruff type dude but then you would watch something like um the 45th academy awards is brought to you by so and so and so just very smooth and so hearing these different uh voices in these different genres um, it helped shape me because it showed me I didn't have to limit myself 
so I didn't have to always talk way down here. Like I'm just, I'm just the saddest guy in the world. Or you can, you know, be more upbeat. Hi, welcome. You know, coming up next, it's Blues Clues on Nickelodeon. You know, you can you can play around with different voices and, and create and and like I said, just add more tools to your toolbox to to make yourself um, more marketable and and just give yourself more skills. Yeah, absolutely. So you literally have to be a vocal comedian. You have to adapt to whatever you're in. Absolutely. Oh yes. At least for me and, and other people, you the I look at it as if if you kind of put yourself in a corner and say, okay, I'm just going to be this guy or this girl, then that's all people will know you for. Um, but if you can kind of paint the walls with, with what you do, um, they can't really say, well, he's known for this. But did you know he's also known for these 14 other things? You know, you, you want to widen, uh, uh, yeah, cast a wider net. There we go. Yes, yeah. So um, I think it's very important. And also just, you know, have the part, have the card to pull out at parties where you can just be like, oh, I voiced, <laughs> <laughs> I, voiced I don't know, Droopy Dog and also voiced Megatron or something. Hey, that works too. Sure. If you could voice any like, you know, sort of established character. So for example, something like from Transformers or something from Hanna-Barbera or something, what would you sort of uh, like to sort of go for? Oh, that's my favorite question to answer. <laughs> um, I've always wanted to put my spin on Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. So if you notice, I said Bruce Wayne and yeah. not Batman. And there's a difference because most people feel that, um, you know, Batman is Bruce Wayne in disguise, <clears throat> but it's actually the other way around. Um, Bruce Wayne is Batman in disguise. Oh, okay. Because I look at it like, because if you think about it, he's putting more of an act on as Bruce Wayne than he is Batman. When he's oh, Batman, okay. he's out there fighting crime. He's in people's faces. Tell me where they are. You know, that kind of thing. But during the day, you know, he's this billionaire and he's got, you know, a girl on this arm and a girl on this arm. Hey, Bruce, you know, so tell us about the next party you're going to have. He's like, oh, it's going to be great. You guys should come. Oh, wait, you're not invited. You know, he's just this, this kind of dude um but then if he sees that bat signal in the air he goes from well guys it's been really great but i have to cut this interview short i have other things to take care of and then as soon as that elevator door closes alfred give me the situation and he just totally becomes who he's meant to be bruce is the uh is is really the person that's in this batman's you know disguise that's a very good way of thinking about it. i never thought of it like that yeah um that's one of the things about uh, being superheroes. I think a lot of people focus on the so-called secret identity when it's really right there in, in, in plain view. Because you mean to tell me a pair of glasses hides Superman's identity? Just a oh. pair of glasses? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. So I thought about that. I'm like, well, maybe the person that they're portraying during the day is the real dis you know it, it's that's the dis that's the real disguise or that's the you know what i'm saying it's like i'm the the real superman is the guy that flies around but someone goes well you know his secret identity well it's not really a secret you see more of superman than you see of clark 
So I'm just saying, maybe that's just me, but that's what I feel. Um, I think that the superheroes are more themselves and the person that they are, that's the, the secret identity. Like, you know, during the day I, I play this guy who does news reporting named Clark Kent. That's my secret identity, but um, oh well if you ever get asked to audition for bruce wayne just make sure you bring that because i'm pretty sure they'd love that into the into oh absolutely I, that's something i will definitely bring up but yeah so uh bruce wayne aka batman is one of them um i would love to play destro from from the gi joe series oh, yeah. he just has this real sinister uh he's he's sinister but yet he's cunning and intelligent and you know i would i would play him um now growing up again in, in the 80s and 90s there was a guy named arthur burkhardt who um was the voice of destro mm. and he had this very heavy baritone and he he almost sounded a bit like he was welsh or maybe Scottish, but he wasn't. He's a, he was a black dude, but he's like, my dear Cobra Commander, you must understand that, you know, he's had this, this certain kind of thing when he talked, and so and it's like, like he, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's my old adversary, you know, this show. Like Sean Connery. I'm not sure if that was Sean Connery, but you know what I mean. <laughs> if you kind of bite down on your teeth like this, it's, it's kind of what he sounded like. So, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily do it like him, everybody wants to text me right now anyway (laughs) sorry about that um but i would uh kind of bring my own style to it maybe not with that with that kind of rasp but something more intelligent something right about here what you don't understand is i control all the weapons arsenal from here to china you know something just in in that box where he still sounds menacing but at the same time if he's in a room full of his constituents and he's not trying to be as malevolent it's, it's almost like you know some people if you notice some evil characters have to yell and scream to show how violent they are mm. but then you have some who can talk to you very calm very peaceful and all i have to do is press this button and i can destroy you those are the people that you should fear the most yeah, not the ones yeah. who get all maniacal i'll kill you no 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 it's, it's the quiet ones who don't say much. Oh yeah, uh, that you should you know be thinking. Yeah, that you should be wary about. So, um, any other characters? Well, other than the character I've created myself, um, that doesn't count. Uh, but yeah, Destro definitely. Um, you know, Batman slash Bruce Wayne, and I've always wanted to be a Smurf. Oh really? Oh, wow. What, uh, is there like one that's already exists or just one that you think you just I, sort of bring to the table? You know what? If they just said, you know what? Create a Smurf. I would create a Smurf and and be that guy. Um, I liked Hefty Smurf because he was just, I'm rough and tough. I'm hefty. You know, he, he was just that. He was the muscle of the group. So Hefty Smurf was always my favorite. And um, I can't think of his name, but he was just kind of a... Well, Papa Smith always says he shouldn't do that. that brainy. Brainy, yes. I would bring my own little spin to it. 
and you know so characters like that um as far as what they call legacy characters who've been around for a while um hopefully i would love to do some some anime uh i want to be on b stars so bad oh i've heard of that it, it looks yeah it looks very interesting it yeah. is very interesting I, i'm hoping if they ever create uh an animal like a like a gorilla or you know this big brown bear mm. that I'm like, hey, if you need a big brown bear guy, I know one. You know, if you need a big old gorilla, I know one. You know, I want to be on that show because, I don't know, I think it's interesting to have these animals who are living <laughs> human lives just about. You know, they're, they're going, they're hanging out, they're, they're dating, and strangely enough, they're crossbreeding. Okay whatever but i would love to be a part of something kind of crazy and weird like that i think it's good to have one or two characters that's just that make you go huh? okay keep you on your feet yeah yeah because if you're used to being you know these straight laced characters or you know these archetypes that have been around for years this hasn't been around for years not not like not this extreme because you think about you know, My Little Pony, they're, they're ponies and they kind of live the life that a human would. The Care Bears kind of live the life that a human would. You know, but Beastars is different. Some real, that's some real <laughs> next level anthropomorphism. Yeah, that's a little bit. It's kind of like a more demented version of Bojack Horseman, isn't it? Yes, that's a good analogy. Oh, I need to check it out. <laughs> And so what sort of do you think about those sort of um, legacy characters? Because there's quite a lot nowadays that are still being, re- uh, like, uh, what's, the new, what's the word? Like, uh, sort of rehashed nowadays. There's quite a lot of um, characters from the 80s, like Transformers has been redone like 50 times. Yeah, there are a lot of reboots, lots and lots of reboots. Like, so I kind of feel like the only one that, because lots of voice actors who work on these projects always keep the spirit of the original character, at, at, like, when they do it. And then they just sort of put their own sort of mix into it. But I feel like the only one that didn't really do that is Thundercats Raw. Like, I don't know what that show was about. I, when I saw the initial trailer, I was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to watch. And I haven't watched it. So I, I don't, I can't, I can't give any barometer on it. Cause I, mm. now when a few years prior to that, um, there was one on Cartoon Network that was more action-packed like the one from the 80s um that one was pretty cool they did a thundercats um it had kevin michael richardson in it tara strong i believe was in it you know that one was more of a reboot from the 80s cartoon the thundercats go i think they 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 tried to be something like Teen Titans go, but not exactly. And I don't think the formula worked at all. I, I heard a lot of people were not satisfied with it. So I didn't even waste my time looking at it. No, it's it's kind of funny because I, I do, obviously this podcast is all about nostalgia and stuff. Sure. I'm kind of critical about nostalgia at times. It's kind of like how they sort of, um, I feel like some like films and stuff are kind of, they kind of want to really hammer in on nostalgia if it's like a sequel to a film that came out years ago like Jurassic yeah. World or something 
I just think sometimes nostalgia is too much. And I feel like that might be why why they try to make Thundercats Raw too too different. So different. You know, it's it's strange because if if you're gonna do a a legacy type show, I feel that you wanna stay as close to the source material as possible. And yeah, you can put some some wrinkles in it here and there. Mm. But as long as it doesn't too much interrupt the the continuity of it, because if you're trying to gain a new audience while at the same time bring in an older audience, audience, you have to make that work. Because if you, you know, if you piss off the old audience, well, hey, he's that's not how he would shoot that. He would, you know, do this or it doesn't transform that way or, you know, but then the newer you know, folks are like, well, I don't like how he did that. If, if both sides are not liking something, then you, especially if, so let's say I had a son or a daughter and I grew up in the eighties and say, Hey, well, this is a Thundercats I used to watch. And they're like, Oh, wow. That's awesome. And then all of a sudden fill in the blank network says, we got a brand new Thundercats coming out and it's called Thundercats go. And you're like, okay, this is cool. You want to watch? Yeah. And then you watch and you're like, this this is not like what we thought and you you get turned off by it yeah so i say to people who are trying to reboot things from the past if you want to modernize it that's cool so say for example since we've been talking about um rebooting things so let's say mm, there was a show in the 80s and 90s called airwolf oh okay and it was about this at that time a futuristic helicopter that was used in secret missions and you know covert warfare it could fly very fast and you know all that type of stuff if you rebooted that to our era instead of whatever organization that they used in the show, you just make a new organization. So the same organization I've seen reboots where they kind of picked up where the last show, you know, left off. And it's, you know, 20 years later, like, well, back when the project first started 20 years ago, you know, our technology was nowhere where it is now, but now that you've come along and brought us your father's information, we can continue that, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not really a reboot. It's, it's more or less a, a continuation of, I think those are cool. Some of the reboots sometimes um, because the writers are trying to do too much to say, well, this is my version and I want to stand on its own. Good luck. Uh, sometimes it's okay to, to borrow from the original and then add layers to that because a good story has layers anyway. And if you're able to compile those layers you know, just like making a cake, you keep putting enough layers on that cake, you know, you want to give us some flavor to it. So that's, that's my spin on it. Yeah. Cause I was like, um, on Reddit and then someone put a post on about how Jurassic world pretty much is just reusing shots from the original almost pointlessly. And it's just like, yeah. I think that's, that's just too much. It is like, stop it. Just make something else. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I understand that Hollywood in general, 
are looking for ideas. So then they say, well, let's go back and look at some stuff in the past and see how we can make it better. I don't know if it's really making it better because certain movies are classics for a reason because they were untouched. And now if you're trying to come in, you know, do a classic in, in your image, I think you kind of take away uh, from, from the original. I mean, it really depends on, on the movie though. Some I've seen some remakes that were either on par with the original or better. And I've seen some where I'm like, just leave it alone. Italian job comes to mind. Um, I loved the new Italian job. Even Hello. Um, the new Italian job. I say new because the original one was in the 60s with Michael Caine. And then they did one in like, I think, 99 or 2000 that had um, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Charlize Theron, and, you know, some some heavy hitters, uh, Donald Sutherland to be one of them. And I thought it was cool, but they didn't try to make it as a reboot. It was almost like they took the story of the original um, and, and gave it a modern spin. But what's funny is in the movie, he references, he goes, oh, like the Italian job. So it's almost like, in their world, the Italian job, the original movie, you know, was a was a movie, and they're now trying to pull off a heist like the movie. So I liked how that what? they gave reference to the original. So wow, I don't know. Weird. Reboots are, are touch and go. They're a little touchy. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I hopefully though we don't get another Force Awakens, which is pretty much just a retelling of a New Hope. Yeah. I really wanted to like the Star Wars. I, well, the imagery, especially when they're on that planet and they're on those speeders and then the ground kind of turns red. You know, that was, you know, I think visually it was a great, but the story, it was kind of like one of those, stop me if you heard this before kind of thing. So, yeah. and then, Yeah. And what did that get us? Somehow Palpatine returned. Palpatine returned. Yeah. So like zombie Palpatine and it it just wasn't a good story. Oh, no. There were were elements I liked. I I liked the whole, you know, force teleport thing. That was kind of cool. You know, he's out there. uh, Kylo is trying to shoot at Luke and it's not really Luke. I mean, it's him, but it's not. He's just like an astral projection or something. I thought that was cool. So they gave him some new force powers. So yay. I would think over 30 something years, you would think, yeah, I'm a Jedi. I've, I've learned some new stuff. Here's one of them. And so, yeah, that makes sense. Sort of going back, um, mm-hmm. you have meant, I think you did make a few mentions to this, but tell us about Jack Ross, the specialist. Well, where do I begin? That is my uh, currently in production animated series. Uh, We just ended our uh, Indiegogo campaign. Um, Didn't quite get uh, what we were looking for, but 
we were very glad and thankful to get what we got. Uh, basically, Jack, he's just a bad dude. So if you put a bit of Bond, James Bond, that is, mm -hmm. in a pot with a bit of Nick Fury, mm -hmm. um, and then you sprinkle a little John Wick, and then you add a big dash of shaft from the 70s and 80s, and you stir all that up in a big old pot, and you pour it into a mold, you would get Jack Ross. He is, you know, he's suave, and he's cool. He, he can kick your ass, but he's also very laid back. And his role in his world is... He is the last line of defense, uh, him and his team. You know, if, if, if SAS can't do it, if the CIA can't do it, you know, uh, KGB, Mossad, whoever, none of these organizations can, can stop this evil threat from happening. Then they call the echelon and say, hey, we need Jack to come and do this thing. And then him and his team, they get together and, uh, you know, stop the evil from happening. They thwart the bad guy once again. So that's what he's about. Um, but he, he doesn't do it alone. He has a, a team of uh, individuals who, even though he'll tell you he doesn't need help, but he really does need help. Um, and what the show boils down to is family. Um, in future episodes, once the, the show gets green lit, we're going to explore sides of Jack that people will will see the humanity in him. Uh, just to give you a snippet, you know, even though he's this, you know, super secret agent, not even secret, he's just, you know, this agent that, you know, kicks ass and takes names kind of thing. Um, he grew up an orphan. And the subplot of the main plot is when he's not on missions, you know, saving the world, he's trying to find his identity. You know, even though he's his master spy and assassin, deep inside, that's really not who he is. Or he doesn't feel complete or whole until he finds out who he is, where he comes from. So, we'll explore that in depth uh to reveal a different side of him that you know like i said a lot of people see him as just a, a blunt instrument but he actually um possesses something far deeper oh wow that sounds really interesting so what sort of inspired was he basically one of those characters that you said that you could do like you sort of made up and this is him sort of being made flesh in a way yeah um i thought of this character years ago um, and I had a, a friend of mine who was a, a brilliant sketch artist and I told him, okay, this is how I want this guy to look. And, you know, kind of gave him, you know, he should be this tall, you know, broad shoulders and, you know, just giving him the schematics of what I wanted. Mm. And he said, okay, give me a couple of days. And he sent it to me. He actually mailed it not emailed it. He sent a package. Oh, and I, what I thought was cool about that was knowing that it's a spy themed character. 
He sent it in this uh, very thick sealed package. And then when you open that package, there's another package that says top secret on it. <laughs> so he was already, the, the spy motif was already there. And then when I opened it, you know, there were maybe 13 to 14 different sketches. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the guy, this is him. And um, I kind of let it sit on the shelf for a few years because I'm like, okay, now that I got this character, I don't know what to do with it. You know, I'm, I am not an animator by any means. I could, I, I write as far as, you know, speeches, poems, whatever. I said, well, script won't be the hard part, but who am I going to get to animate this thing? And I'm like, animation, uh, from what I hear and what I know now is not cheap. So I just let it sit there. Uh, I wrote a few pages of a script one night and just let it sit. So this was 2012 or 13. Fast forward to 2018. Um, And I was watching something on TV and it inspired me to, um, to bring it back out. And I think what it was, it was, they were talking about um, representation matters in media Mm. and how they're not enough, you know, black and brown people, you know, in, in this type of medium or in this type of medium. And I'm like, yeah, what about cartoons too? And I'm like, you know, in animation and video games, you don't see many people of color in lead roles. I'm like, it, it's this, it's time. So yeah. I brought it back out and I had someone refer me to an animation company, a production company. And we started fleshing things out and they had a guy on their team who was a pretty good writer and we sat and collaborated and wrote the pilot episode but at the time I did not have um the finances to fund it uh completely still I was like I gotta do something so he said well hey how about we do a motion graphic I said okay great what's that and then he explained to me what it was said it shouldn't be no more than two minutes long and you know and we can build from there I'm like okay cool and uh we did the motion comic people tend to have liked it a lot and I'm like all right I am convinced now that we should go ahead and make this whole pilot thing so we took the script we already had for the motion comic and then just added again layers to that um i created more characters um and then i had to take off my vo hat and put on my casting hat and send out auditions um for that role for the roles so that was interesting having to hear you know, I, I say now I have a big respect for people who cast all day, every day, <laughs> because, um, you know, when you give people instruction, especially in, in voiceover, and then you get that file back and it's like nothing you've asked for. Like, this mm-hmm. is not what I said. 
and you you hate to to crush someone's dream, but you you didn't listen. I said, you know, voice should have this kind of texture and tone. And it's one thing if you if you say, you know, I'm going to shoot my shot. I may not sound like that voice, but he may change his mind if he hears me. That's cool. But if I say your file name should be this or give me three different and distinctive takes, if all of your takes sound like, hey, I'm going to kill you, then take two. Hey, I'm going to kill you. And then take three. Hey, I'm going to kill you. That does nothing for me. No. But if you, you know, hey, I'm going to kill you or hey, I'm going to kill you. You know, it, it, it's it's different. Um. So knowing that I want my characters to sound a certain way, you know, I would get 20, 30 submissions. And after about 30 minutes to an hour, that 30 submissions is now like five. I'm like, okay, so these five made it. Let's go through the next batch. And it's more of the same or you'll hear someone who's in a room that's not treated and is like, hey, um, I hope you like my audition. So this is going to be um, three takes. And I'm like, I didn't ask for any of that. I don't have to hear your life story. Give me three <laughs> takes. Slate, three takes, go. And then, you know, you have a, there was this one young lady. Oh, she was, she would have been perfect. Whew. But as she was recording her lines, I could hear uh, the subway train go by in the no. background. And, you know, she's reading the lines and you just kind of hear, I'm like, oh, that's not going to work because if I, if I book you and say, hey, you have to record this on your own, if you're not in a studio, and you have to, you know, record from home. And I didn't know her situation. I didn't know if she could go to a studio and record or not. But sometimes when you have time-sensitive uh, work, you don't necessarily have time to say, hey, how soon can you find it and book? Because you have to book the studio, which means now that's coming out of your pocket. And if you mess up a line and then you got to go back in, you know, that's more time. Um but if you have a home studio, it's advantageous. Not saying that I wouldn't have hired someone who did not have a home studio, but it's advantageous to the person that's being cast and it's advantageous to me because if, if we do a table read or something together and I may record the table read and everyone else is in their treated room or at least a quiet area and now it's your turn to say your line and you know, the train's going back again. It's like, that's it's not what we want. So no, it's not train girl. It's it's a person. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a it was a headache um, to go. The only the only role that I cast that was not a headache is because I heard one person speak, and I didn't even bother to open a casting for that one role mm. and I remember being on a zoom chat it's a group zoom chat mm. veteran voice actors you know up and coming voice actors 
and I heard this guy's voice and he just kind of, and, and we were joking about something and he just kind of had this snark to him. And I'm like, Hmm. So while they're in the chat, I pull up a picture of the character and I just stare at the character and I'm listening to him talk and listening to him talk like this may work. I sent him a direct message in zoom and um, I said, Hey, I got a part. I think you'd be great for, I want you to read for it. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) sent it to him. He read it and he took direction. Well, I was like, okay, now this time, you know, give me a little bit more of this and less than that. Uh, because, you know, this is going to be banter between someone who, while you're being sarcastic and, and moody, he's just very straight-laced. He's like, oh, okay. So we ran the lines together <clears throat> and he, you know, gave me what I wanted. And I'm like, he shows if he wanted. And he was cast just like that. So wow. sometimes it, it, you know, it doesn't take a lot if you just hear right off the bat, like that's the one. Just organic. Yeah. So that was the only one. Everything else, uh, especially the part for the ladies, that was uh, that was stressful. Mm. Wow. I, I, whew, that was very stressful. I'll just say. So was it mainly just like the, like the subway noise was like the worst of it, or were there like some that were like, oh no, how, this is impossible. <laughs> Um, there were subway subway sounds. Um, some people had that annoying beep where they haven't changed the battery out of their bloody alarms, smoke alarms. Oh. Like that's annoying. Then you have people where I, I said slate with three takes, and the slate consists of, "Hi, I'm so and so and so. I saw your casting on Twitter. Or I saw your casting here, and I just want to thank you for the opportunity. This is really such an honor to do this. I'm like, let's put that in your opening gambit message, right? Can I just get the bloody reads, please? So I tell people when when I when I'm casting, I turn into a very angry British director, um, <laughs> and it, and it's true. I'm like, can I just get the bloody read? Can you just do it for me, please? That's all. I don't need any. Yeah, something like that. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not it. Okay, I'll give it another shot. Like, Where's yeah. the audition? <laughs> Where is the audition? I asked for three reads and you give me this rubbish. It's not it. You're out of here. Turning your microphone right. You know, I just get, yeah. I got, I got one but, word for you. Unbelievable. It's Unbelievable but it, it's true because i i give uh casting directors and booth directors all the respect in the world because how do you sift through okay this guy's read was great but his room tone was terrible or you know her read was impeccable but she kept saying that one word wrong the entire time even though i've corrected her she would still say that one word wrong it's like mm. and then you have someone who um you know the read was good um they gave you three different takes but then they named the file something else so then you email them and say hey um 
I got your file. Great read. But the file name is different. Can you resend, just to see if they follow direction, can you resend the file with the correct file name? Okay, sure. And then they never send it. And I reach back out, hey, what happened to that file? Well, you already had the original, so I didn't think it was. <laughs> like, okay. And there were there were a few that I, I um, discarded simply because they would not follow direction. Yeah, you can't have that if you're working on the program. Yeah, so. I, I don't need your life history. I don't need, you know, how long you've been waiting to do. And and I get that. It's it's the audition process can be an exciting process. Um, everyone wants validation or acceptance. I mean, hell, I still there's still things I audition for, and if I book it, I'm I'm happy. Even you know, being over a decade doing this now, it's it's still a rush um or excitement when that agent calls or maybe it's a client that maybe you didn't get through your agent but they say hey we found your website man we got some stuff that we want to you know bring you on like really oh okay and especially if they agree with your rates like oh so you can pay that yeah you know that's we have enough in our budget for that really <laughs> i still get excited I, I don't know about anybody else but I don't take what I do for granted. No. You know, it took a long time for me to to get to where I am. So I cherish every session. I don't care if I'm doing e-learning or if I'm doing a commercial where I have to ask somebody what you know about pneumococcal pneumonia, which that was a lot to say. Um it was fun, but you know, on like take 13, I'm like pneumococcal pneumonia. Why did you get vaccinated against pneumococcal pneumonia? Can you say more pneumo instead of pneuma? Sure. And then you go pneumococcal. Then the other client comes in. Well, I kind of liked pneuma. Can you do a three in a row with pneumococcal pneumonia? Sure. Why do you get vaccinated against pneumococcal pneumonia? Yeah, but it's written pneumo. Well, if you, if you use more of relaxed slang, it's like, like pneuma, you know, like pneumonia, like pneumococcal pneumonia. So an hour later, um, they go, can we refer back to take three? I'm like, seriously? And then take three was like, take a moment to pause and ask yourself, why did you get vaccinated against pneumococcal pneumonia? And they're like, ah, that's the one we want. Bloody hell. So, but it's on the air now and and it's all good. So it, it worked out. And that's the life of a voice actor, in case anyone didn't know, realize. <laughs> yes, that is, just, uh, that's our, that's our world. It's just, it's just sounding like a broken record until they find the one like halfway through that they liked. <laughs> Never fails. But I've had some sessions that, especially when I do video games um, for, for Madden, um, those were fun because we would just fly through those before you know it three hours have gone by and you go where did the time go because i'm just going through the pages and they're like hey that was cool or hey how would you do that line man give us give us something different and you just kind of okay and you just do something different they're like yeah we like that one can we punch that one back up against the music and they you know they and they're like yeah just and it's like ah yeah we like that one okay so keep that take and then keep take four and 
and you just you're flying through it and like i said before you know it a couple hours have gone by and um it's a great session so i'm not gonna sit here and tell everyone that every session is a great session it's a great session because yes you're working but there are some clients who know exactly what they want and then there are some clients who don't know because they haven't heard exactly what they want yet. They may have in their head one way and then they hear you read it and go, the way you did that was, was, was different, but, but I like it. Hey, Hey guys, let's, um, let's try it that way. Have, have them do a few takes like that. Like, okay, sure. Whatever you want. And then you read it a certain way and it ends up that their version never sees the light of day. They go with your take. Like, where'd you get that from? What, what, what motivated you to do that? I'm like, I just thought of something different from what you guys wanted. Huh? Is that all? I'm like, yeah, it's kind of what I do, you know, versatility, that kind of thing. So, and for us, it's easy air quotes, but for them to hear us give different variations i think sometimes uh they're still amazed that we can take a simple phrase and give it like eight different reads like where are you finding all these from i'm like well you say you wanted multiple i remember doing a session and they wanted me to say the word now and like different takes oh i said okay so i was like now 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 and then i stopped i'm like now (laughs) and they were like man that was a lot of nows and they were all different like again this is what we do yeah like why you what rock have you been living under yeah we're like so are we done and then i made a joke is that are we done now and <laughs> oh we get it oh you're such a card whatever can i get out now now right <laughs> are we done now so i need to so. get food for dinner now yeah. <laughs> and i want to go are to bed do? now <laughs> more wages now yes we will do just that now <laughs> um <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? Well, um, I'm on Facebook, but I've slowly been limiting myself to it. But if 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 you must, um, you can find me as Trey Mosley, voice actor on Facebook. But if you really want to follow me and my exploits, um, and I have to go to the computer because I don't know it now because i'm just a mess um you can find me on instagram as trey mosley but it will be um trey underscore mosley underscore vo um i also have an alternate page for my character jack ross and his page if you want to go by and, and take a look at it, it's um, what is your page, Jack? It is Jack Ross, the specialist. That's on Instagram. So 
you can find my regular page on Instagram and then Jack's page also on Instagram. For the folks in the Twitterverse, um, you can find me on the Twitters. My name on there is just Trey Mosley VO. And surprise, surprise, Jack has a, a page too. And his name on there is Jack Ross the Spec, because specialist was too long to put out. And um, you can also just go to my website, Trey Mosley, T R E M O S L E Y. And um, yeah, that's how you can find me. Brilliant. So come say hi and all that good stuff. Brilliant. I'm sure they will. And um, now, before we start, I can't stop thinking about now anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now. If you could say something to your younger self, what would it be? Hmm. If I could say something to my younger self, uh, don't say the word now. No, uh, if I could say something <laughs> to my younger self, I would probably say, um, if you're thinking about doing something in your life, the more times you tell yourself when you're going to do it versus if you're going to do it, it's going to be so much more beneficial to you when you get older. You know, I've always had ideas to, to create. And I said, man, if I ever do this or if I ever did that, but as I've gotten older, I've had to tell myself not to say if, but when, because when is more definite. It means that you're putting action towards it. If leaves everything up to speculation, you know, what if so-and-so would have turned left instead of right? But if you say, hey, when so-and-so turned left instead of right, something happened after that. If just means this could have happened, but when definitely definitely means it it's happened or is happening you know so when you reached out to me and said hey will you be on my podcast i said yes now you could have said hey if you have time then who knows when that would have been but you said when and i said well sure and even though i was a, a little late i'm sorry but no, you know no. i'm here and we had fun today we, we did yeah, all right okay great <laughs> Brilliant. And that was the wonderful Trey Mosley. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Um, this has been great. Happy holidays to one and all. And um, hopefully we can do it again soon.